And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, you can go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for $1 a month for 12 months. That's a steal of a deal. If I say so myself, you can listen to this podcast ad free on theathletic.com if you do that. So go check that out today uh, with me. Special pod. I've got both Alex and McKelly on the same pod. I uh, was going to type in on Twitter uh, at Al Baby Cakes is joining me. And then the first name usually just pops up because it because I add you a lot. Uh, Jessica Alba was about to. I was about to say that Jessica Alba was going to be on the pod. Really? But no, it's uh, Al Baby Cakes and uh, wow. Bear. Uh, yeah, what's I thought up? it would have been something. <laughs> that would have really been something. <laughs> Jessica Alba, <laughs> me and McKelly on the <laughs> pod together. Uh, what's up, guys? Last August pod. Oh wow! You're right. So what a big deal! This is a big deal. <laughs> remember this. Well. <laughs> Yeah, when you pass August, it's um, it's all downhill from there. So yeah, although everything is starting a week later than last year, so like training yeah. camp doesn't start until a week later. So is that because of FIBA or just something yeah? Else? Because we have FIBA. Come on, that that counts for something. Like having actual basketball to talk about. Yeah, it's true. Have you been watching McKelly? No, uh, but I, <laughs> I just got back at four a.m. this morning. Uh-huh. Because there was like a lot of queue at the tunnel, um, and I subscribed to this. Um, I know it's not courtside; it's another service. And um, so, yeah, I will catch up. I watch highlights and stuff like that. But uh, I watch like Canada today a little bit. Shea has been unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> in FIBA play, he's just I, there's a pretty strong argument that for him, and I, I think people thought this even before but that he's the best player in the tournament. And I think like the way that he's played, I think that you could you can make that argument. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Luke is obviously in this tournament. Yeah, Luke is great. Yeah. Luke is great. And Rudy Gobert. Well, he's not even... He's, Oops. He's, he's, oh, that's true. He's out. See ya. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know what to do with the, these FIBA games because obviously it's better than Summer League, you know, mm-hmm. the, the level of competition. So you, you want to... Like gain more. Well, the wins and losses matter. Yeah, yeah, they do matter. 
Um, on the other hand, like I totally understand Pelicans fans like not getting that worried about Brandon Ingram that like things haven't been going well for him because it's like who really cares? <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like for Shea, I think it's awesome that he, I mean these these are probably maybe not yet, but the games coming up are probably going to be like the biggest games of his career thus far in his basketball. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. Yeah. And he's getting to experience those games as the undisputed number one guy on his team, mm-hmm. which. I think still would have been the case with Jamal Murray, but obviously if Jamal Murray's there, he's kind of like a 1B to a 1A. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to take yeah. a lot more possessions than this situation. Sure. So I think that experience is awesome for Shea. And the fact that he is kind of meeting and exceeding expectations so far is encouraging. But, like, did we really expect anything different? Like, this is... I mean, we, we've we watched this guy, and th- this is what he's done, like... The entire time he's been here so i mean he just had a top five mvp season so i can't say i'm surprised mm-hmm. but but no, i'm but glad being effective, he's playing so well. yeah but being effective of, at fiba level with that kind of spacing um it's uh, i mean it's not a given to be efficient to be able to score uh to like this much it's not easy it's like it's something that you still have to do now doing that at group level uh against I would say mid-level competition. France was not clearly ready to play, and Latvia is a nice team, but it's not as strong defensively. Um, I mean, it, it's it's probably not a real test for Shea, but what comes after, I think it's very interesting. If he can keep up, then it would be something. Because, I mean, if you play... I, I don't know uh, which which team will we play. Probably Spain or Australia or Brazil. I don't really know the um the settings but um he will go against like good de- good teams and good defenses so that part for me will be extremely interesting yeah yeah it looks like their next two games uh brazil on friday and then uh spain on sunday yeah brazil and spain yeah i mean spain is not the same as a uh, i would say six eight years ago but it's still a good team so yeah got 38 year old rudy fernandez to uh yeah. contend with you know, it is funny. Yeah. We always obsess about the spacing around Shea, and then I'm watching some of these lineups where it's like Dort, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> RJ, Dwight Powell. I'm like, I get, I get that those guys like do shoot threes, but it's not like the spacing's that much better. Like when they insert Kelly Olnick, it's like, oh my gosh! Finally, oh, thank you. I can breathe. Yeah. Real release valve. Yeah, for this team. That's true. What do you think? And somebody, I can't remember who posed this to me, so I apologize. But somebody was like, wouldn't Kelly Olenek be a great Thunder player? Like as like a backup center? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think it'd be awesome. It. I think it'd be so good. I, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, you and I have discussed this. Like as a shooter, he's really good. As a ball mover, he's great. I, I think he's probably, and it's not like, oh my gosh, it's crazy that people don't talk about Kelly Olenek. But I think he's probably pretty underrated when it comes to like backup centers in the NBA. Yeah, if you want a backup, uh, and if you have like a, uh, a defense that can sustain him, then then it's basically having a better version of Mike Muscala, which yeah. you clearly know that it works. So if you have a better version of that, I think that Kelly is an underrated passer. Um, Definitely. So he 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 will fit perfectly with a Dignold scheme. And yeah. yeah, I mean, if in the future you, you kind of need a backup center, then, then sure. I mean, I think that up to now there was not the occasion to get a player like him 
because it was like before it was Steven and, and someone else. Now it's not the time to get a player like Olenek. But in a couple of years, maybe maybe that is a player that you can grab and that doesn't cost you too much yeah. and, and fills the roster in a position of need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's his so what does he have left? Oh, he's an expiring mm-hmm. twelve million. Which for a jazz team that will probably not make the playoffs at the play in. I don't know. I would trade him. I mean, same with like I was talking to James Edwards earlier today for the Athletic NBA show and I mm-hmm. was just like shouldn't they just trade Bogdanovich? Like shouldn't they just I, trade him? I actually feel like because that's a team that needs to improve, obviously, or mm-hmm. Troy Weaver's probably gone like that's a team who should probably trade for kelly olnick like, <laughs> actually have a center who, who can stretch a little bit yeah yeah we talked about how if they're not if they look like they're not heading for the play and they should probably trade bogdanovich and yeah. get like a future asset for him yeah james didn't think that like troy's gonna lose his job like next summer or something he thinks he has more really time than that yeah okay so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that was. Does he agree that they they should probably win more than like twenty five games? Yeah, he thinks they need to win like thirty games. Okay. Yeah, it depends on how. I mean, if you if you see like all the young players starting to mold together and be something on the court, and then something else happens, like not again on Cade, because otherwise that is going to be an issue. But it's like. Uh, another player suffers an injury or something like that, and you don't have the season that you hope for, it's fine as long as you see some results, some like identity of the team, which is the part that you miss. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a, a season like the one that Orlando, Orlando had, I think that you could be okay. Yeah. You are on the right path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, I know that he was not responsible for the first year of this. But they are entering year five, which mm-hmm. yeah. is will end up being more than the Process Sixers. The Process Sixers lasted four years. Their final year, they won twenty eight games before they eventually became a good team. Like if they're fifth year in a row, like a sub thirty team, I, I don't know. Trust me, I I, I agree. I just James has a good pulse on what's going on with the team, and he still feels like Troy has more time. So. I get it. Yeah. I, I get why you may want to move on from him. But the team also feels really good about their young core as well. So, I don't know. Who doesn't? What, who's the team who feels bad about their young core? Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte. <laughs> That's a good call. I don't think they'd ever say that. <laughs> They've done the best job of finding the worst player in the first round every year for like the last three years. So I mean, I think it's hard to it. do. It's hard to do. It's hard it's to predict hard as who's the, the absolute player worst player that's also projected to be in the first round. I mean, they've done it. I mean, it's I I, I posed that question on Twitter because uh, you know, like Garuba and Ty Ty got waived. Yep. And neither of them were picked off waivers. And I was just looking at those last two drafts, like how many guys realistically who were drafted in the last two years, ignoring last year's draft, so the mm-hmm. two previous drafts, could be waived today and not picked off waivers. Yeah. It's not like a super long list. There obviously are names. Um, the biggest one being James Booknight. I think like that's a pretty obvious one. Yeah, Booknight yeah. would definitely be one of them. Some of them like might not get picked up just because of the sheer size of their deals. Yeah. Too. Because again, it's a rookie scale. But if you're picked in the top, like if you're picked in the lottery. Yeah, it's it's not 
a insignificant amount of money. Like if Johnny Davis were waived, would he get picked up? Probably not because of the amount of money that he's paid. Like you know for yeah. sure that he's worth not worth that much. How is he making like six millions? Let me look up what his contract is, but if it's if it's over three, he's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's surely over three. You know, yeah, um, he's making five, five point two, six point seven. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like that's a, a, a whole, like that's not a lot of money in the NBA. But it's Why also do they have to pay. He's I mean, definitely you, not you worth that. See, yeah, I didn't see anything that allows you to think, hey, this guy is going on the right path. Yeah, like it, it's not like bad efficiency but you, you see uh, other stuff like with Oladipo it was clearly um, in a weird situation in Orlando but like numbers were there and you could see games where he went off and was just the, the alpha guy and mm-hmm. yeah I was not the best uh, of his class but still like something that you can project with Johnny Davis like what you can really project uh, I mean yeah it's uh, it's extremely disappointing yeah it is up to now I don't think there's a lot of guys from the 22 class that would get waived and not picked up. I think the 21 class, there's a lot, actually. Yeah, for 22, like maybe Wendell Moore Jr., maybe Patrick Baldwin Jr. Those yeah. Those are like the only two names. Yeah, there's a late in the draft. I mean, you yeah. Can... Dalen Terry, maybe, at 18. Maybe. But yeah, the previous draft. Chance. I mean, with Dalen Terry, is still like... You may like the physical tools and say, okay, let's see if we can. Oh, I would definitely him. want the Thunder to pick him up. <laughs> if, if you got sure. Just for, sure. Just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, but like, there is room for a guy that projected as a good defender that may have skills on ball. I mean, yeah. Chicago is not exactly the place. Um, yeah, it's true. The 21 draft, though, like De'Ron Sharp. Josh Christopher, Isaiah Jackson. I mean, Keon Johnson, Kai Jones, another Hornet probably doesn't get picked up. Um, Josh Primo was already waived and not picked up. James Book Knight. You know, maybe that's the end of the list. I was yeah. I was glad to see that Ty Ty got picked up by the Bucks though because I had mentioned the Bucks as like a possible Trey Man destination one it's day true. just because they don't have any young guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean Ty Ty is. Arguably their best prospect. I mean, it depends on what you feel about Bochamp. He's definitely their number two prospect. And yeah, yeah I like Bochamp better, but that's because I I'm think, just uh, really low on I don't know if it was Eric Name, but he was saying, somebody tweeted about the Bucks Like last year, they had, it might have been Ty uh, Windish. Uh, last year, they had only one player who was born after 2000, and now they have five. So they're making progress. A lot of those guys yeah. are like their second hey. round picks from this year. But Shout out. They have to get younger. They're so old. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy that they. <laughs> I mean, the after Thunder... two thousand, that means twenty three. It's not even like, like yeah, it's not twenty year olds super duper young, and it's yeah. not that he got a like a regular contract. He got a two way, which right. tells you a lot about why OKC let let it let him go uh, because it was really no traction on anything. If you went, if you end up in a two way, mm-hmm. and we are still. A bit far away uh, from the starting of, of training camp, we could have like tested waters a little bit more before yeah. signing. Um, sure, he has a chance to play due to the age of the roster, but he may be like the seventeenth guy on Milwaukee. And like, yeah. how much can you really play? You don't. So yeah, 
How many yeah, guys? How many guys that are on the Thunder roster currently, the twenty-one man roster, um, were born after the year two thousand? Oh man, oh. Uh, I, I'll guess like I'll say double digits. Let's say oh, oh uh, ten. Okay, so it's Shea, Lou Dort, uh, Kenny. Shea um, is not. Yeah, Shea. Oh, oh, you're, oh, you're doing opposite. Okay. Yeah, yeah, opposite. Yes, Shea Ludort. That is much easier. <laughs> Kenny. Um, then there is, uh, I Jack think, White. Isaiah Joe. Uh, I'm not sure about Jack White. Um, um, it's surely Mitzich. Sure. So we are five. Um, then who's, who's the oldest player on the Thunder roster? It's uh, Oladipo, I think. It is Oladipo. Mm. Uh, so born on Star Wars coming. Day. In 92, may the fourth be with you, Victor Oladipo. Wow. So I am at seven. I'm, I'm surely missing one. I would say eight. Two ways count. Uh, so what is it? Is Sar older? No. So it is 10. Alex got oh. it on the nose. Wow. And there are actually more players born before 2000. There's 11. Joe, Dort, Saar, Wiggins, oh, yes. Gilgis, Alexander, White, Waters, Williams, Mitzich. White, Water, Williams. <laughs> Bertans, and Oladipo. Oh, man. See, this is why we need to keep Jack White on there when with the Whitewater, you know, Whitewater Bay lineup. Oh, that was actually... You yes, know? I agree. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, that's, you don't know what that is, but I don't know Bay. what you're talking about. Is a water park in Oklahoma City. Yeah, world famous. World I'm famous. Shocked you don't know about it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Whitewater's the Big Kahuna. Cool. Okay. Uh, shout out to Bertans. Uh, yeah, knocking off France. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, Bertans is. Uh, I, I. I mean, I've kind of been on this train for a while. I think there's going to be spots in the season where you see Bertans playing some minutes, taking some shots. I think that's yeah, why not? going to happen. I mean, why not? Indeed. Yeah. I think he'll play. Uh, we should probably mention Giddy because we haven't talked about him. Yes. Yet. I was about to bring him up. Go ahead. I was wondering, do you guys think, uh, first of all, he had a very, he's had a very nice run so far. He probably had his best game against Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hit like the, uh, the kind of the sealer, the game sealer. What do they call those? Not a game sealer. Game winner. They call game winner. Sure. But the game was already over. Kind yeah, of. it was. Um, yeah. But yeah. what do you guys think about, People seem to be very excited about him getting the line more. How much of that do you think is real versus him just getting star calls because he is like the biggest star in most of these games? Um, not that I've seen a lot, and I think that we should revisit this in a week or so when I have like real um, images in my head and not just highlights. Um, but I think that he's more decisive. And I think that he's doing the same stuff he did um, in the NBA. But I think that in the, in the NBA, you have the opposite stuff. Like you don't get the calls unless you are a certain caliber of player. So I yeah. think that the calls were there already last season, but he wasn't getting them. Uh, I think this is just a natural, hey, that is a foul and you should actually call it. Um, so it's not really a star treatment. I think that last year he generated a lot of contacts and calls wasn't like we're not going on on his favor. So I think that 
this is something that we will see next year. I don't know if we will get like seven, eight per game, but maybe four, five. That would not surprise me. Four or five would be a huge improvement. That'd be huge. Because he's getting at his a lot there. I know. Like he's driving yeah, he a ton. He's yeah. That's the thing. Is like I've watched two whole games, and he is driving a lot, and is intentionally trying to get to the hoop. Uh, and some of it is like toward the end of these games, like Australia is not like running anything. <laughs> They're just like, yeah. save us, Josh Giddy, save us, Patty Mills, <laughs> you know, is basically yeah. their offense. And Josh has been really good. I mean, that game against Japan, his line, 26 points, five boards, 11 assists to three turnovers. I mean, he yeah. was really good. 10 of 18 from the field. He's had some inefficient games, but like that's to be expected. But he's yeah. handled this really well. And at the age of 20 is insane. Like that's, it's still crazy how young he is. And they're kind of giving him the keys to this team. And he is delivering. And like, yeah, they have some other talent on the team, certainly. But they're not doing this kind of stuff without him. You know, it's like the guys that are playing like the most minutes, like Patty Mills still. But you can tell that Patty has taken a pretty significant step back from whenever he was just like killing FIBA years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Xavier Cooks is a is a big player for them. Uh, Dante Exum, who actually looks pretty good, will be on the Mavs this year. Yeah. I kind of wonder what that will look like for them because they kind of need him to be good um, off the bench for them. But he's looked really good. So, but yeah, Josh has been. Amazing. I think these are such good reps for him. and It's such a good springboard for he and SGA in particular to to get them into the season, to get all these reps that are like meaningful and competitive. And like training camp is going to be, I think, I, I wish that we could be in the gym for training camp to see it because I think it's going to be outrageously competitive. And yeah, like it's been, it's been fun to watch Josh in like a different kind of element. Uh, and I think it's it's only going to help him. Yeah, um, there is another topic mm-hmm. for Josh. I've seen videos, uh, even in a couple of chats that they have with Italian friends, say, oh, wow, look, uh, Josh Giddy, playmaker of the defense. Let's, let's calm down a little bit. That clip was good. It was good. It but how is many- not happening like that all the time. <laughs> All the time, I can tell you. No, As somebody that's watched no, even, a lot of it is there are the same kind of like he's getting backdoor cut. He's you know not yeah. being able to move his feet as fast, but he has these like, like flashes of like oh my gosh, like he's sure. Draymond Green for the Australian team, you know. But it's not like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, and even in those moments, if you track how many feet he moves around. It's very little because you don't have the same amount of space to cover. And that is a crucial part of being good at FIBA level. Now, you have to understand where to be. And and that is important. But we all know that he's a very, very smart player and yeah. player. And, and he knows where to be and what to do and where the action will go. The problem is, like, if you have to spring to an NBA corner, it's much different than doing it in FIBA. And so, I mean, that part to me is, it's good that he's doing that, but it's not conclusive to anything in, in terms of being a good level defender in the NBA. Yeah. Sadly. But yeah. 
How much have you been able to watch, Al? Uh, I've only been watching Canada and Australia. And they some of these games start like some of the games coming up start at 1 30 a.m. Yeah. on the West Coast. Yeah. So I probably won't be able to watch those. I feel like the Australia games have been super early, but I've been able to watch the Canada games live and then have to go back to the Australia games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I won't be able to watch live. It's like during yeah. the work day. I, I won't be waking up for the 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. start. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> there's no chance I'm doing that either. Uh, God bless the Ryland styles of the world who are up tweeting about these games in the middle of the night, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just not. Wow. I'm not doing it. Um, I'll rewatch in the morning if it's like a close game. If not, I'll watch highlights. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's Oh, fun. can I say, uh, I, I have been, I always go back and watch the highlights. And f- I think it's ESPN Australia that I've been watching their highlights. Yeah. They do great highlights. They always start off with the best play of the game mm-hmm. for that player, yeah. and then they True. rewind and start at the beginning. Yeah. So like the Shea yeah. game, they they had that that play where he like sat the guy on his butt. Yeah. Which yeah. Was very entertaining. Classic Shea. Uh, yeah. That I was, think that, that was that great is play. the the FIBA official highlight. Oh okay okay I like that though. Yeah. Yeah no no it's it good. You the it's best good. there is to offer, and then rewinds goes back. I like that. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to do over unders? Let's do some over-unders. Okay, so I uh, sent Andrew McKellie the NBA over-unders. They're out as of right now. Uh, Miami and Portland are off the board temporarily, though McKellie did find an over-under for uh, Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked them to pick their five locks, the five over-unders they are most confident about. None of us have shared with each other what our picks are, so we're going to go through them and see uh, how many of us uh, chose the same one, or, which would be really awesome, if we chose the opposite for the same team, mm-hmm. which would be great. I really mm-hmm. hope that happens. Mm-hmm. So would anyone, and I, I prefer that you announce them in order of confidence. So start off with your most confident pick. We'll talk about it, and then we can kind of go around our most confident picks. Would anyone like to start off, or do you want me to start off? You can go. Go for it. Okay. My number one over under lock for the upcoming NBA season. The New York Knicks <sighs> over 44 and a half. Okay. I have this one too. All right. I don't. Uh, well, you're wrong. Okay. The reason you're wrong, Michele, is because. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't believe that they will go over. It's not. <laughs> and I'm, a lock. I'm telling you, you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Michele went under. He thinks they're going to win 20 games. So, as yeah. a reminder, this team won 47 games last year, which I don't really care about that. But. Mm-hmm. Starting December 4th, Tibbs decided to finally stop playing Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish, which sounds crazy now, but that mm-hmm. is the decision he made, and it was a big deal at the time. Since that, and that's a significant number of games, 59 games, the Knicks went 37-22, and 22, which was a 51-win pace. I feel like more than almost any other team in the league, this roster has been constructed for Tibbs. Like, this is one of the most perfect roster coach fits in the league and they have only gotten deeper this summer bringing in Dante DiVincenzo another Mm -hmm. Villanova guy I just think that if he's willing to use his depth they could be a really good regular season team yeah now there's obviously been issues with that in the past with him like running guys into the ground but you look at their like guard rotation they have so many guards that they could bring off the bench whether it's like Deuce McBride or Emmanuel Quickly or now Dante DiVincenzo I just think that this team, in the regular season, I don't know what they'll do 
in in postseason, but in the regular season, over forty five and a half feels like pretty good to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I agree. That. I mean, they won a round of the playoffs last year too, and beat a really they good did. Cleveland team. They did. You know. Yeah. There's nothing to sneeze at. Um, yeah, like uh, Jalen Brunson as like a steady leader for them. Because when they had their fall off, it was everything is on Julius Randle to hold this thing together. Yeah. You know, and now he Specifically seems... Specifically him like hitting the craziest shots. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. abnormal for his career. And Randle was really good last year for them too, but he feels like so much less important now than yeah. he did then. And so, still having him, who I think is probably a, he, I think he's probably a really underrated player now, uh, for especially for people like outside of New York, like don't you don't even hardly think about him, but he's still very good. And then having Brunson and like having more years with these guys, I think quickly is prime. Yeah, Quinn for Grimes, year. Josh Hart, like they just have so Josh much. Josh Hart, depth. yeah, lots of Villanova depth. It's good. Josh Hart, starter, USA starter now. Sh- sure, sure, yep. He sure is. Aren't you concerned at all about the fact that they were one of the luckiest team in terms of opponents three point shooting? No, uh, okay. no, because that was That's the case it. two years ago as well. Yeah. So at some point, yeah, it's a trend. They're but just doing, they're doing something. Yeah, Tibbs. I mean, Tibbs. Yeah. As whatever you think about him, is still like a really good defensive coach. He is. Uh, okay, I have one. All right. Uh, Charlotte, way, where, 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 where did the Knicks rank on your confidence scale? I had them number one on mine as oh, well. Okay. I really feel like they're going to do better than that. Okay. I just think they have right. a ton of really good talent. Um, that obviously, like, they really also, most of those guys really like being together too, which I think matters. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like since ex- college. Since college. Like, they're excited to play with each other. So I think that that matters. Uh, Charlotte. There's a, a lot of these over-unders are very good. Like, the numbers are very very yeah. good and they're it's hard to lock in a lot of these but charlotte at 30 and a half i have it is a like that is a perplexing number to me and yeah. i know that they're getting bridges back <laughs> that they're getting Lamelo back but come on man like that team who has yeah. basically added nothing over the last several years that are like bringing back a criminal as a huge part of their lineup. Like, come on. Like really 30, 30 games is a lot. Detroit yeah. might throw a parade if they win 30 games. And you think so, Charlotte's so you're, gonna win you're 30 going games? over or under? <laughs> I'm locking in the over. No, I'm lo- <laughs> locking in the under for Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. They're just awful. I mean, the roster is terrible wow. and oh they will gosh. play like a lot of young guys that are bad. Like, bad, bad, bad. Uh, Miller will not be good for his first season, mm-hmm. I believe. And he will play a lot. And to me, it's more likely that at some point during the season, Lamelo asks out, say, okay, I'm done, than yeah, that they possible. actually uh, bring a season together and they just win more than 30 games. So I did not have them on my list. I, I think I agree with you guys, but the thing that was holding me back is one, as awful as they were last year, they won 27 games. And a lot of those games came with no one in the lineup because they were a really good defensive team post-All-Star break. Yeah, They were true. the number eighth uh, best defense. They were the team defense. that nobody took seriously. Nobody. True. Yeah. Absolutely. 
That is, but, that is, I think, the main catalyst of what they did. When you think going forward, like I know we think they're going to be playing all these young guys. At the same time, like they still have Terry Rozier. They're going to play him. They still have LaMelo Ball. They still have Miles Bridges. They still have P.J. Washington. They still have Mark Williams. I mean, he's, he's a new guy. Um, they still have Gordon yeah. Hayward. Like they like Steve Clifford is going to play those guys. That's and true. if he was able to get 27 wins out of that crap last year, like I agree. I think I would take the under, but I was too scared to pick it because of all those reasons. You're, think, you're buying um, into Frank Nilakina joining them? I'm the definitely center. not doing that. I know people I think, are. Uh, that there will be a median. Um, uh, let me rephrase. A lot of teams that will win between 36 and 44 games. And and there will be like a few teams that are on the margin of that. And Charlotte is one that is below. And it's very easy to see them losing a lot of games because there are many teams that are really trying to win. And therefore, I think that they will they will not be in the same boat as last year where they faced like a lot of teams that were just playing, fooling around. Um in the second part of the season, again, the game against OKC was just terrible. Mm. Um, it's not that Charlotte don't want to talk about. Well. It. Don't want to talk about. Yeah, it. but but those are the games, um, and so I don't know. I, I I really don't see a path for them to be relevant. And if you are at twelve wins after fifty five games, what do you do? Like just yeah. punt, probably. Even if you okay, are so eighteen. So Andrew McKelly shared a pick. Me and Andrew shared a pick. So McKelly, yeah. it's your turn. You can complete the Trinity if you pick something that I also picked. The uh, I, um, the, the Hornets have a two-way player named Leaky Black, who just sounds like cool. he should be a Harry Potter character. Just all right. I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, fantastic. We also have Xavier Sneed. Too also much a Harry Potter character name right now. Wow. Uh, anyway. Okay, McKelly, here we go. Over under. Um, I think that the Sacramento Kings are a team that are not discussed enough. Um, they had a great regular season last year. They had an amazing offense, and they were one of the teams that was the most uh, unlucky in terms of three-point opponents. Um, I think that they are better this year, not because of like any addition, but because of the fact that those players are young enough where you can see improvement. And so... To me, betting that they win like four or five games less than last season is just nonsensical. Um, the West is stuck. I get that. But I bet on the team that has a lot of continuity, that has an identity, um, that has a defensive coach that maybe in a season or two can improve the defensive principles. And so I really believe that the Kings will win 46, 47, 48. Uh, and I would be very surprised if they go 44 or below. Do you have any opinion on uh, the new shooter, Sasha Vezinkov? Um, No. Uh, I think okay. that he can be, on good nights, he can be like Batons. He can be automatic. He can have games where he just goes and, and scores a lot. But my, uh, let's say my grade, it's not based on uh, Vezinkov, which may be like a good addition. Vizenkov. He may take some of the trail aisle minutes. The, the, the defense is bad. Is going to be bad for Vazenkov, but the three-point shooting is real. So if you can get a guy that, like, some nights can go in and take ten trees and make six, seven, um, it's uh, it's some brand with what they do. Yeah, and again, I'm in love. 
of their offense. It's just, I think that works. It's not, uh, it's not something fake. And when you have that level of an offense, it's really hard to be a bad team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won 48 games last year. No, I did not. My concern is that all of these guys played 73 games or more. De'Aaron Fox, Trey Lyles, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Sabonis, Davion Mitchell, Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, and that's a good point. Sabonis played 79, Davion 80, Keegan 80, Harrison Barnes 82, De'Aaron Fox played hey, 73. Hey, only one half. So that to me is also, they got they had a lot of like luck on their side of no one getting hurt really and missing any time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an unusual and you can also factor in that like Sabonis played 79 games, but he also broke his hand, you know, and had some issues down the stretch and he just kind of played yeah. through it. So maybe he does play like what's Sabonis's? I mean, he, yeah, I don't know. He, he, that's, I think that's the most games he's ever played outside of his first year in the league is 79. Um, yeah, 62 in both of his all-star seasons with Indy. So I don't know. I'm, I mean, I think the Kings are good, but if like Sabonis is out of the lineup, like how good are they? I like definitely have that question because he does so much for them. I mean, he really makes things work for them. So they're going to have to have him be healthy. And if he misses, like, let's say he misses 15 games instead of three is it possible that they dip below that number? I think it's possible. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfectly good uh, selection. I, I purposely avoided every team in the middle of the West because they are so bunched up. There are four, five teams that have an over-under of 44 and a half. Yeah. And I could make the case for both sides for all of those teams. Yeah. And I was too scared, so I stayed away. Uh, my number two most confident, this one might be a shocking one. We'll see. I'm going the Boston Celtics under 54 and a half. Ooh, okay. Okay. So Boston has Boston. Oh, did you take the over? Yep. Yeah. Ah! Okay. Nice. So Boston has the highest over under in the league, 54 and a half currently. Um, hardwood paroxysm, Matt Moore. He tweeted mm-hmm. out that teams with a win total of 50 or more have gone under 64% of the time in the past 12 seasons. The over typically goes over by three and a half wins. The under, go, under goes under by 6.7 wins. Um, basically, I don't think Boston is better than they are last year. I think they are much more leveraged than they are last year because they have two guys in Malcolm Brogdon who had like a career year last year mm-hmm. coming off the bench and being the sixth man of the year, but who is always injured previous to that and was injured in the playoffs. And are you really counting on him to give you that same effort again? And if not, okay, now we're betting on Peyton Pritchard and who knows, maybe you like him. And then the Porzingis trade who Porzingis amazing contract year last season. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Very good. Already dealing with plantar fasciitis, which we know is like a chronic injury could come back, cost Shea a ton of time. Now he, he got injured right now in the summer. So maybe he comes back fully healthy and everything's fine. But I just think that there's the vibes are just off with this team. They have been off since last year. And I did not, I I did not see the Marcus smart trade as some like obviously good move for them. When I, when it first got reported, remember it was just going to be like a Malcolm Brogdon thing Mm -hmm. um, where Malcolm Brogdon be going out in that case where they're keeping smart 
and they still get Porzingis somehow, like I would have been higher on this. Yeah. Um, but sending out Marcus Smart and bringing back Porzingis, where now you have these two guys, and then you can throw Robert Williams in there as well, another guy you can't really count on. Mm-hmm. How old is Al Horford at this point? Like the Again, I think they're a good team. They're going to be very good, but they could win 54 games and still go under this over-under. Mm-hmm. 54 games is a lot. Do you know what they won last year? 57. That's what it is. You yeah. don't have to look up. I already told you what yep. it was. They have... If you look at what they've uh, won in this era, the Jason Tatum era, they won 51 games the previous year. They were 500 the year before that. They won 48 games, uh, 49 games, 55 games, 53 games, 48 games. They've always been hovering right around 55 games. Mm-hmm. And you basically, ha- they have to hit that, but they've traditionally gone under that. And so I just don't think this is the type of team that gives me those like number one running away with it vibes. In the way that maybe like Denver this year could potentially. I don't have them on my list, but I've kind of been thinking about them in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I went under. With no, I get that. And it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, the main point is health, clearly. What I like about the Celtics is that they had a lot of issues to make it work because of precise deficiencies on the roster. It was very hard to play Marcus Smart and Rob Williams together. Uh, it was very hard if you put Al Holford in, almost impossible. Now, if you remove a guy that has a lot of good stuff in him, in Marcus Martin, is a great defender, great leader, um, and you add, even for 60 games, a guy that will spread the floor immediately, those games, they, they could go 40 and 20 or mm. 45 and 15. And on the others, I bet that they can win 10 without Porzingis. Now, um, I really think that the main problem for them was just not being able to put the best players on the court. To me, in the playoffs, it was clear. Like, they had to be to, to have Rob Williams on the, on the court, but they couldn't because the offense was just terrible. There was no way that Tatum had space, nor Jalen Brown. Now, if you remove that, um, you can you can actually have like a... A very simple offense, very simple and effective offense. And and again, to me, that in the regular season, you can just coast a lot of games because your players are just the best. You have two top 15 players and you add spacing around them. You just, you're just going to win games. Um, and they may correct something at the deadline. I don't think that this is the roster that will play the full season. I think that Brogdon uh, may be on the move. Uh, I mean, they, they didn't do it at the... Um, the starting of free agency, but they may revisit that later on. They got a shooting a shooter uh, at the five spot or four spot, wherever um, that can play with both Horford and, and Rob Williams. Again, I really think that when you have two guys that are all NBA and you have spacing around, it's very easy to coast and win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Some of this too depends on like improvement within the coaching staff as well with Missoula. Yeah. Because they went from Stevens to Udoka to Missoula. And like that's a lot of coaching change <laughs> to happen for like a good team that has like a stable core of players. And some of it like their hand was forced, some with the Ime Udoka situation. And now they're kind of locked in to this Missoula 
contract and to him being the coach because you really just don't want to have four coaches in four years. Yeah. But things didn't end all that well <laughs> with Missoula, you know, in the playoffs. And so you just wonder what that looks like for them too. There's, And also, like you look at last year, they won 57 games and also had what looked like an incredibly shaky start, you know, as far as like, oh my gosh, like they just lost their coach. They got to have this interim guy come in. You know, the guy that they probably would have chosen as their number one guy is now the head coach for the Utah Jazz and not here anymore. And so now they got to, yeah. I think Missoula is the youngest coach in the league right now. Um, he's got to be younger than Horford. Like, he just has to be. I don't know. I don't have that in front of me, but he just has to be. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, that, I, I think I could see either way for them. I wouldn't touch that as a lock, um, but I – I think their roster is interesting. I also had heard that no matter what the circumstances were around that Porzingis trade, I think that Marcus Smart was going to get moved. Um, no matter what. Mm-hmm, no matter what. So, Yeah, it's too hard to play the this, this style of play of basketball that they want to use with, with a guy like Smart. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were ready to move on from him, from, yeah. from what I understand, you know. Maybe that doesn't come to fruition if if they get Porzingis without trading him and they don't find anything else they like. But I think it was going to happen. Um, okay. I have another one. I'm going to take the under on the Utah Jazz, who mm. have a projected 35 and a half over under. Uh, I just believe that I don't think they're going to be able to like truly pivot to tanking because they have too many guys on their team. Shame on you. You don't, you don't trust Walker Kessler. That is <laughs> shameful. I mean, he's the, the greatest player in the history of the league to ever average nine and eight ever. No one has ever been as good as him and average nine and eight. No one has ever done it. It's just, the most You'll never impressive. podcast again with Kendrick Perkins, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, I just I think that they could pivot to playing their younger guys this mm-hmm. year, and not so much some of their older guys. Now, there's also the confusion of them adding John Collins to the mix, which yeah uh, is weird, and I don't know what to do with that. But also, like you just drafted Taylor Hendricks. One, why would you trade for John Collins if you are going to draft Taylor Hendricks? That just seems weird. Um, and also you have Keontae George, who played really, really well in Summer League. And so I just wonder if they may sell off some parts to get extra picks, play Keontae George, marketing, you know, the reincarnated Bill Russell, and, you know, move forward like that. Would you so. move on from Laurie for a good offer? Um, it, it would have to be so good. I don't think um, I. I don't think I would. I think that they've kind of struck gold there with him, and I think that's he likes a good way to start a negotiation, saying that you don't. But go ahead. <laughs> he's twenty six. I think that he's, and he was. Man, he was really, really good last year. <laughs> in his, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's obviously not the same as the Shea and OKC thing the last couple of years, because Shea is younger. Was younger than that. Yeah, but. I kind of feel the same way where it's like, why? Like, what's the point? Like, just keep him. Uh, he, he's not going to. I mean, their problems last year in terms of like winning too many games, 
I, I think those could be solved other ways though. Like if Walker Kessler continues to have like these kind of on off numbers and you're pairing him with Larry Markkinen, like there is probably a floor to how yeah, bad you can point. be. Yeah. yeah, that is exactly my point. Like I don't see them being, yeah, they might win 34 and 34 or 35 and being under. I don't see them winning 30, 31, something like that. I just, they're, they have too many players. They have, well, Sexton is coming back, so maybe they can go 32 or 33. Um, yeah. and they won 37 last year. Yeah. They I mean, also and made, they, they sat the guys a lot at the end of the season. At the end of the season, they were putrid. Yeah. Yeah. There were games. And for a better draft. Awful. Like, yeah. If they wanted to really tank, last year was the year to say, hey, Lori, you can play 10 games. Choose which ones, and then then it's yeah like vacation for you and they didn't um their coach is really good like really really good so to me there is a cap on how bad they can be if this is the roster otherwise I say okay i really go out and remove a lot of uh, the good players that they have not kessler um but laurie and like all the, the guys that i can trade yeah, they did that some at the end of last year, too, where they traded Vanderbilt, who played 1,200 minutes for them. They traded Mike Conley, who played 1,200 minutes for them. They traded Malik Beasley, who tra- played 1,400 minutes for them. Like, they they did some of that. Not like Malik Beasley is, like, some crazy good player, but Conley and Vanderbilt were, like, big parts of what they were doing. And they traded both those guys. And that's part of how they got worse. Yeah, but it almost didn't matter because uh, Taylor Horton Tucker... He came in and did some stuff. Yeah, he still played. Th- he played thirteen hundred minutes for them on the season, sixty-five games. Yeah, um, yeah, it was bad. Okay, so that uh, Andrew goes under. I go under on the Jazz, McKelly. Um, it's my turn. Yes, I have another under on the San Antonio San Antonio Spurs. I just don't believe that they have. Um anything except for Wemby and even if I can believe that Wemby can be the best player in the league in five years I think it will be in five years not in five months I know it was very good in France um, but I would be very surprised if he plays more than 65 games and I would be extremely surprised if they win 20 25 of those 65 games that he plays and they will not win any game uh, without him. So um, I just think they will tank heavily. They will play him in spots and they will just be the worst team in the league or the second worst team in the league because it makes too much sense for them. And there is no rush whatsoever uh, to like go and win 29 games. Why do you want to win 29 games? You're not yeah, a he, Dominic he have, Barlow guy? Yeah, are you not? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I. this was one I was eyeing. Yeah. And my next one kind of goes along with it, which is I took Detroit's under. So both San Antonio oh. and Detroit are 28.5. Oh. Here's why I went under. So if you look at all the over-unders, now Portland's off the board. They would obviously be a team that would fall below 28 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington is the only other team that fell below 28 wins. Mm-hmm. Every other team's over under was 28 and a half or higher. I went back the last 25 years 
took out the uh, all the lockout years. So this is going back to 96 minus the three lockout years. How many teams per season, on average, win 28 games or fewer in an NBA Four. season? What would you say, Andrew? Four. 5.6. 5. 5. 5.6 on average. And yet they only think, you know, they when you know they're setting the lines to get equal action on both sides. But right now it would just be Portland and Washington. There has to be more teams that are going to win 28 games or fewer. Yeah. Like all these teams are clumped up. The only season where only three teams won 28 games or fewer was the 2007 season. Every other season, it's been four to seven teams that have won 28 games or fewer. So this yeah. is part of my thinking with Detroit, or you could do it with San Antonio, or you could do it with Charlotte. But the point is, like, some of these teams here at the bottom have to be worse. And I kind of made it a challenge to myself to not choose Houston um, because that's a little too on brand for me. So I, <laughs> they I have look too at many it, incentives not to. Like, they, they, the they do. They, they don't really have anything to gain in winning 30 or less. Now, they, I think that they're incapable of winning too much. Um, but with the Spurs and with Washington, with Detroit, to me, it's another discussion because they, again, we said at the beginning, it, it's been a while, but with the Spurs, they have a plan now and the plan is Wemby and how can we get the best team around Wemby and winning in year one, it's really not a priority. It should be avoided. And, and again, preserving his body and making that body ready for the long tenure in the NBA is the only thing that they have to do this year. They might they might sit him healthy just to say, okay, we need to understand how to prepare your body for a real professional life in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they built they made this line really wanting people to believe that Wimby is the next LeBron because when LeBron came into Cleveland, they'd won 17 games the year prior. They won 35 games his rookie season. Mm -hmm. San Antonio won 17 games last year. Just for them to get to the over on this, which would be 29 wins. I mean, you're talking about a 12-game improvement yeah. for a team. That, yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, never mind. No, not that many. Not that many. Not that many. Um, but I, I do like some of the players that are on this team. I think... Well, of course you like Jeremy Sohan. I do. Um, Vassell, I think, is really good. Um, yeah, very good. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got that, some guys. I think Zach Collins, saying had a, Zach Collins had a really good end of the season. They they can win more than 28 games. They've got Dougie they McBuckets and Reggie Bullock. They really should not. I think that they picked up Shooter, which is nice. Yeah. They can play them in order to start constructing something that works. Campaign? This is they got guys that were traded for each other on from the Thunder to on the same team. They can talk about that together. Yeah. Chemistry. It's more like, I hope that they win like 20 or less. Mm -hmm. I really or less. That. Yeah. Less. They should be. They should be the worst team in the league. By just not playing their best guys, that should go hard in tanking. I just think if you have a good coach and you have players that have their heads on straight, it's almost impossible to win less than twenty games. It's possible to win twenty-four. Let's put the bar. Twenty-four 20 is possible. Twenty. Yes, I think twenty-four is possible to win in the teens. Like everything has got to go off the rails, and you have to fire your coach. And, and yeah. honestly, the reason why I opted for Detroit's under over San Antonio's under, even though I think they both could go under, is just because I feel like the roster construction in San Antonio 
makes a lot more sense in combination sure. with a good coach. Whereas I think Detroit has a good coach as well, but I'm just less convinced about the roster construction. I still think they have a lot to work out in Detroit, both because Cade's coming back, but also because like we got to figure out how he's playing with Jay Nivey. We have to figure out what we're doing with all these bigs. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's more volatile in Detroit, whereas San Antonio may very well win fewer than 28 games. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll it'll kind of it, it won't be as volatile because, like you said, they oh. do have a plan. Mm-hmm. You're right, and I think that we, you will see San Antonio playing very good basketball. There will be very convincing wins. I, I can believe that. I just really hope that the plan is: hey, no more Reggie Bullock, no more Doug, no more Zach Collins. Just hey, you, now you have to play with four guys that are barely able to shoot the basketball mm-hmm. and see what's going on. Okay, since we haven't gotten to the uh, title of this podcast, Andrew, should we just run through our final picks real quick? No arguments. Yeah, uh, Tor- okay. Toronto under. I think they're. Gonna Me too. St- I think they're going to stink. Um, Orlando over. Oh, they're 36 are and a half. Both of my last two. Picks. Oh, really? Yeah. I think Orlando's wow. going to be pretty good, and I think Toronto's going to be real bad. And they're both at 36 and a half. I like those picks. Those are in my bubble. I have two that I, I'm flip flopping, and I'll go with a more controversial one, I think. I have Golden State going below 48 and a half. Okay. Hmm. I just don't. I know that they added Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, but the West is going to be tough, and I don't know how much they will actually go for like a very heavy and strong regular season compared to, hey, let's just be around the home court advantage and just be happy with that and rest for the playoffs and just rest a lot during the season. And so to me, like to win 49 games, I would be actually a bit surprised. I think they can be one of the best teams in the league when they are on. I just don't know how much they will be on. And I know that the Jordan Poole subtraction is substantial in helping them winning. Um, but I don't know. I don't like that number too much. Yeah, I think the argument from Warriors fans is that the problem with this team in the past has always been that they just fall off a cliff when Steph goes to the bench. And so if you can just get solid offense from Chris Paul when he comes on, which he has done every single sure. place he's been in the NBA, and you just shrink that gap – when Steph goes to the bench, then you know they're going to win some extra games that they wouldn't have, and they're not going to fall apart as easily as they often did last year, sure, especially on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was definitely eyeing that one as well. I was looking mm-hmm. at the under as well. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't commit. Yeah. What do you think about Milwaukee? I mean, the number is extremely high. Yeah, I, I looked at them lot. as well. I was looking at the under. It's high. It's high. But but they won a lot last year they without can. Chris, and if yeah. he's just anything if he has two legs and two arms for like 60 games how can they be much worse yeah i know yeah i mean compare them to a team like boston who i mentioned like they had that 157 win season everything else has been like 55 or below or below milwaukee has seasons of 58 wins 56 wins 60 wins yeah like they've been able to put it together they they do continue to get older though and new coach. I know. It and new keeps coach. happening every year. New coach, too. New coach. New coach. They brought that, back that, Jay Crowder. That can Let's give you a bump, though. New coach we'll can see. give you a bump. Maybe they'll win 70. Who knows? Uh, okay, real quick. <laughs> 
Is Sam Presto top 10 GM? Uh, this comes to us from Yahoo Sports, who applied Saber metrics, which, if you don't know, are the advanced stats used in baseball. And they uh, looked at their trades, uh, free agency, and drafts and assigned baseball stats to each of those and then combined those stats to give us an overall ranking. And uh, the uh, results were interesting. Uh, Sam Presti ended up at number 12. Yeah. Um, I will say from this, from the jump, you know, as someone who likes to do like these little research projects where you just like make up your own world <laughs> in which the, this idea exists, like <laughs> I appreciate what this person was doing. You know, I, I like doing these type of things too. It's very yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if this is the way I would have gone about it. And and really grading GMs is so hard because it's so subjective. It's so subjective. Because yeah. I, I always go back to the Paul George trade, which by the way, which is not part of this included. article, by the way. <laughs> yes, he is obviously would be a home run. And that maybe maybe that bumps Presty up in the top ten if they had included them. But I, I think back to that trade, how that trade would have been graded at the time for both teams, how that trade would be graded two years later for both teams, how that trade would be graded now. Like, I think it's so hard to just pick a single moment in time and say what you think about that trade, because a lot of times it gives teams like the benefit of the doubt, like kind of the Pau Gasol, Mark Gasol trade where like, did, did the Lakers really think, or, or did the Grizzlies really think that Mark Gasol was going to turn into what he did? No, of course not. They didn't. But looking back, you grade that trade a lot better than you should have at the time. So I think it's nearly impossible to do this. I think like we could do it for Sam Presti mm -hmm. and go through the trades one by one and try to put them into different categories. But I also think that the way they separated them, which is just based on how good the player is that was acquired, is kind of the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. Because I think some of the smaller deals in and of themselves are obvious home runs. Like taking Serge Ibaka where he took Serge Ibaka shows much more like great things about a GM than taking Kevin Durant at two. Like it's anyone would have hard. taken Kevin Durant at two in I that mean, draft. It's not that hard to do this. Uh, this is one of the main points that I don't like about this. Um, it's that you have to find the marginal value and also adding a little bit of context, like three ex examples. Um, maybe it's too much. I, I Just two, it's enough. Um, first of all, there are a lot of missing pieces like there is like a lot of there are a lot of signings that are not there like i don't know uh, isaiah for, joe is not on for free agents there is no isaiah joe there is no nails noel there is no whatever but, but that, that's that's like it still wouldn't make that big of an impact like the thunder can't be a top you know destination for free agent signings like they just couldn't be but sure. no but how anthony morrow is a loss like is a k which loses you points that was a perfectly normal guy that yeah, actually started games but anyway, arguably uh, one of our best free agents seriously exactly. like, and I mean, actually an impactful player free agent it's 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 weird like he's trying you know trying. but yeah. if we did this for like another team i think similarly like it, it would be really hard how do you possibly grade these because you you kind of have to live the experience of what it was like being a fan of that team to understand like the motivations behind the move at the time. Did I hate that move at the time? How did it turn out? Yeah. Like, like having that full omniscient view of every move a GM makes is just too hard for, to do it for the entire league. Yeah. Oh, or you do it mathematically. Like I don't see any world in which 
the Jeremy Lamb trade and the Chris Paul trade are in the same ballpark as a loss. Like for Chris Paul, they got a first for a year of Chris Paul. Like, yeah. And, and you don't even have to add the context of, hey, he was actually asking you to leave. <laughs> like, he was not going to be back in OKC for, um, for one season. So, I don't know. I don't like this. Um, but yeah, well, well even it's if all, I don't, it's all, it's all ridiculous because you like, you look at the list, like Hamadou Diallo is somehow better than like having Alex Abrinas on your team or. Darius Baisley. Like, is have, is Darius Baisley and Hamadou Diallo's stint with the Thunder all that much different? No. I mean, no, they're not. No, they're no, objectively it's, it's not. All wrong. So, it's all wrong. It's There's also, like, something where... Also, he has Peyton uh, Watson on our list. Carmelo yeah, Anthony's so a lot. It's like, come on, bro. Like, like if you're going to do... Like, he just kind of half did this. Like, he, well, he, but, he had, like, an idea, and then he only, like, partially executed it well. But also, yeah. that the Peyton Watson trade that was the trade that got us the lightly protected 2027 first yes so it should be way higher not even considered it's it is it is a fun idea that was executed poorly yeah and also like what he needs to do is he needed to like link up with people that cover these teams and say like hey will you yeah, help have them do the grades will you help me do these grades and then i will compile it and put it all together and then, like, I think you might get an accurate view of what this is. But if it's, like, one dude trying to do this and he's like, let me see if I can figure out, like, which was better, uh, Cameron Payne or, or Josh Eustace, you know? Or you just like, base this on very understandable and meaningful stats. Like, if you want to base everything based on VORP, for example, or RPM or Carmelo rating or whatever rating, yeah. just use one rating for players. Use one value for each pick. Like if you get the first that is between one and five, that is uh, the value and blah, blah. And then you use the marginal value because I don't, I don't particularly care about the Kyle Weaver, the 38th pick in 2008, to be a loss. It should be a loss. It's 38. He has like, like he also has no like point. A tra trading for Trevor Ariza is somehow better than trading for Carmelo Anthony. Like, does he know yeah. the context of Trevor Ariza's stint with Oklahoma City that he like basically was said stay home and like you don't have to yeah. come here? Like, like there's just a lot of like very like mistakes within all of this that just <laughs> make it very non-impactful. And the fact that Paul George is not part of anything here, it's not a free agent signing. It's not a trade. Like. How? And there is no Doma Sabonis in the draft, which is actually a draft pick. Yeah, so true. It's, 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 it's whatever. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of these other teams, imagining if I had to give grades yeah. to like Pat Riley drafting Wayne Simeon 29th in 2005. It's like, hmm. How do I feel about Wayne Simeon? Is, is he a walk or is he a strikeout? <laughs> Uh, you know, when the when the Pelicans signed Nicola Mele, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Was that a good thing for them, a bad thing it's for like them? It's like nearly impossible. Like, yeah, it, it has to be. Less. Yeah, yeah. This article, while it's getting some clicks, we gave it some clicks. I just clicked on it right now. Um, you know, congrats, congratulations. But it's a very, like, half-baked, you know, half-executed plan that was, like, put out there into the ether. And it's it's not it. <laughs> It's not it. And like honestly, any if anything spits out that Sam Presti is not at least a top ten GM, 
it's just wrong. It's just yeah. flat out wrong. Yeah, yeah the other thing is. I was wondering is like, did he get knocked because he's been a GM for so long? And so by default, he has more picks. He is going to have more failures yeah. than yeah. the average he GM. So that however they're more calculating fights. it is going to it's going to bring it down just because of the volume of picks. I think so. Um, I think that's we can right. do like another game, maybe not today, but we can go to the list of these GMs and thinking, would this team trade their GM for Sam Presti? Anything that you would Ooh, get? Let's, yes, GM trade value rankings. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, it's uh, true. again, there are, I think that Ujiri is on the same ballpark. I think that maybe Ainge is on the same ballpark. Um, I think Ujiri is much worse. And he's ranked second. I think he's much, much worse. But he's, but he's an established GM that made like a lot of good moves. A lot of like very perplexing ones and not steady as some pressing a lot of things. But what was his last good move? Uh Kawhi. Yeah. That was a hell of a move though. Why did he trade for Jakob Pertle? Why did he give up an asset to get Jakob Pertle? I know, I know, I know. I, I, when I said consistency is like very rarely you see a GM as consistent as Impressi, especially for the past five years, where you can see clearly a plan and very little things diverging yeah. for the plan. Also, you know, so so at the beginning of the article, they just uh, he has like top five for different things. So like top five executive for draft picks, Sam Presti was five in that. But Tim Connolly was number one, which I think is super interesting because obviously he drafted Jokic uh-huh. and Jamal Murray. Like he has a ton of hits. But he was also the same guy that like traded away the pick that became Rudy Gobert. He traded away the pick that became Donovan Mitchell. Like, it, I I don't know. It's it's so hard to balance all of those things. It's almost like you pick Jokic in the second round. Like, yeah, what? Nothing else matters. Like, obviously, you're top five. Um, so I almost would rather go that way than trying to include like all these fringe picks. Like for Presti, like when it comes to the draft, like Westbrook, Harden, Durant. Like once you've done that, like it's kind of over. Like like you're going to be a top five GM. Like there's there there really should be nothing else to talk about. Yeah, yeah it's insane. Yeah, and again, and Sabonis, I think is uh, Sabonis should pick yeah. that Presti made. Yeah, he should be on the list. He should be a three B. No, it's a home run. It's a multiple time All Star. Sure. Sure. Oh, wow. Wow. Ooh. Let's, Kenneth, let's Kenneth this out. Reed is a two B. Andrew says triple. McKelly says home run. Kenneth Reed is oh, a two, is a is a double. Who? Kenneth Fareed is listed as a double. I feel like he's a. He, I, I might can go. Would you? Are you saying lower? Yes. Because I might say higher. Higher? He was the 22nd pick. And he had like several, several really good seasons for Denver. Like, what else are you expecting from a 22nd pick? Like, that's a great pick. Well, it's the same as Steven Adams. He's well, re- Steven Adams should be higher in there. Rated the same as Steven Adams. Rated the same as Reggie Jackson. As much as I don't like Reggie Gary Jackson, Harris. he's had a much better career than Kenneth Fareed. How can Gary Harris be in the same ballpark as these guys? This, is why, this, is, this, is, so this is why I don't like... Because what they did was that they just did it based on how good the player was. Yeah. Which I think, when it comes to draft picks, like you have to factor in context. Like Steven Adams was a home run pick. For, for that draft, where he was, even with passing on Giannis, like when you look back at that draft, like... Taking Steven Adams there, home run. Mm-hmm. Taking Serge Ibaka at 24, home run. Mm-hmm. Taking, taking Reggie Jackson when they did, home run. Like getting actual NBA players at any spot outside the lottery, especially, 
Mm -hmm. I feel like those are home runs. Like, wh what else are you expecting? Mm -hmm. The chances of getting a real NBA rotation player that's going to play in the league 10 years is very rare. Mm -hmm. So when you do it, like, yeah, that's great. You did what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Home runs. Dingers. Oh, boy. Yeah, this All is, right. Yeah, I can't now that talk about this anymore. That ends uh, hour one. For hour two, we're going <laughs> to devote the whole hour to how McKelly feels about American teams uh, declaring themselves world champions. <laughs> uh, we, we brought in someone from Italy who has, he has strong opinions on this, he told us. And uh, we're going to spend the whole next hour going oh, through this. man. What a disaster. Um, it, is, it is actually weird, but uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> it's actually weird. Yeah. Can't just be NBA See, I, Okay. If it is weird, which fine. Okay. I'll, I'll admit it's weird. A bit weird. I said a bit A bit weird. weird fine. It can yeah. be a bit weird. Fine. Let's have a Champions League where the Nuggets can just destroy every single team in the tournament by 50 points. Great. They tried that in soccer. It is called the International Cup or something like that. It was horrible. Yeah, this would also what do you mean, be like horrible. The quality of play was. Yeah, it's basically the 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 team that won the Champions League and the team that won the Libertadores. I think. Oh, we were playing right. this very stupid game in the middle of the <laughs> summer, I guess, that nobody cared about. Uh, was very inconsequential, but it was actually meant for saying, hey, we are the champions of the world. And I don't think that it was Asian teams or anything. It was just like Champions League. <laughs> that That is so, dumber than just declaring yourselves world champions. <laughs> so that just go ahead and declare it and just be done with it. That's how I kind of... I just like the idea of forcing uh, Jokic to play like 10 more games during the summer. Listen, <laughs> Just... uh, for the purposes of calling yourselves world champions, we've scheduled 12 more games for you guys in the month of July. So, yeah. Jokic would just sit them out. Some other team would win. <laughs> Peyton Watson would have to carry the Nuggets. Yeah, uh, I think that this, um, again, we don't have to discuss it, but um, you know, like how I am. And uh, anyway, um, 20 years ago, it was very different. Like it was very two universes. Right now, the NBA is the basketball league, period. Like, yeah. Whoever yeah. claims otherwise is just not looking at sports the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, there is the Euroleague, great. Uh, if you ask 100 Euroleague players if they prefer to play there or on the other league, they would probably 85 of them. Um, will say MBA and the 15 that don't say that are, are, are either not able to speak English or afraid to fly <laughs> over, over the ocean because they actually fly in EuroLeague as well. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely you hear guys say like, oh my gosh, it's so much easier <laughs> to play here. The spacing, like the, the flow of the game is so much better. Mm -hmm. um, so. It's just a better sport. Yeah. It's just... Um, even even, wa even watching... You know basketball right now, like it's it's just not as good as NBA basketball. No, no, the talent is the talent gap is just is just completely different. Mm -hmm. And and again, even if you play uh, NBA players with FIBA rules, all the the best players, I mean, it will be good anyway. I think that the NBA made a lot of improvement to the game to make it more watchable, more quick. Uh, more like related to our times. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. But the talent gap is just so immense. Yeah. And the allure of the league, like the recognition of the league. I mean, it's an international league. 
it was not it's not anymore like an american league i know that it's played in america and in canada but it's um it's a worldwide sport mm-hmm. right now the nba is the basketball league mm-hmm. whereas a couple of like 20 years ago it was like american basketball i think yeah i think that's true i think that's true world champions all right uh thanks so much for listening to our podcast we'll have another podcast for you on friday and uh, we're getting closer and closer to the nba season we're about to be in september and then we'll start like true preview content we're not quite there yet but we're getting pretty close to some real preview content dropping for you guys so get ready for that we're also planning some events for down to dunk so be on the lookout for that as well i hope you guys have a great day we'll talk to you guys again on friday as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.